Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Zarin. You know what's ridiculous? Well, yes, Elizabeth, I do know it's ridiculous. The fact that if you're two miles away from a blue whale, you could hear its heart beating. Really? That's how far away the sound of their heartbeat travels underwater. Wow, that is ridiculous. miles. Sure. Okay, I'll give you that. The heart only beats eight to ten times a minute. Yeah, I'm not sure you would know it was a... So like you, do you know it's a later, whale heartbeat? Boom. Yeah, I don't know. You have to have a you know, either a good imagination or you know. I think I just felt some one. patience. Well, here's another thing that's ridiculous: pulling imposter pranks of increasing severity until the joke gets old and you go to jail. Ooh, fun in games. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Dutton, and the fellow sitting across from me is Zarin Burnett. Well, hey there, Elizabeth Dutton. And this is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Now, one thing that my grandmother always used to tell me was, act like you know. Ooh, best advice. Right? Basically, if you act like you're supposed to be somewhere or that you know what you're doing, then most people are just going to go along Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. Here's an example. I learned to drive when I was eight years old. That's a whole (laughs) other story. 
<laughs> but when I was about 13 or so, my grandma decided she was tired of running down to the store in the car. Mm-hmm. And that since I knew how to drive, well, you know, I might as well be the one to run the errands. Okay. So one afternoon, she told me to get in the car and drive down to the market and get milk. 13 years old. Go yeah. On. And now... 13-year-old me, I can only be described as a power nerd. <laughs> okay. And I didn't act up. I didn't do anything rascally. Okay. Very much by the rules. And mm-hmm. so as such, I was hesitant to take part in this imagine, very obviously illegal yes. activity. A lot of emphasis on hesitant. <laughs> so she just, she told me, look, you know how to drive. Just go down there, get the milk, come back. No big deal. Oh, she didn't even go with you? Oh, no, no. <laughs> she just sending you out with voyage. a car as a 13-year-old? Solo <laughs> voyage. And I... Go down to the store, carton of milk, stick of butter. Uh, <laughs> I was unsure. Take the caddy. I was unsure. So she just tells me, you know what? Act like you know. Mm-hmm. And if you act like you're supposed to be driving down there, and then you probably won't get pulled over. Okay. And I figured, okay, if I'm pulled over, I'm going to weave this tale of woe of like, how I'm getting provisions for my aged grandmama. Okay. <laughs> I had a whole script in my head. Yeah. So I drive down to the store. Well, you I, do it. I What? You did Oh, it. yeah. I drove down to the store. Grandma <laughs> says, jump. I say, how oh, high. Even though I really don't want to do this and it's very dangerous. So I drive oh down God, the store. I act like I know, right? Uh-huh. Buy a gallon of nonfat. Drive home. Easy as it please. I got away with it. Okay. And then my mom got home from work mm-hmm. and found out, I'm going to guess, through my little brother. Oh, okay. I was wondering, my grandma wouldn't snitch on herself. Oh, so no. Who's... No. So my mom finds out, though, totally not happy about this, hmm. uh, to have a 13-year-old just cruising around. Just because she's a lawyer. All we... of a sudden, the law matters. Yeah. Well, we were ordered to cease our illicit errand runs after that. But for that one glorious moment, mm-hmm. 13-year-old me, face full of braces, <laughs> Drove a Mercedes station wagon down to the grocery store like a confident soccer mom. Look at you. I love that for you. Thank you. Have you ever pretended to be someone else? Oh, girl. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, So I used to be told pretty much any time I left my house that I looked like Bob Marley because I had really long dreadlocks and facial hair and just seemed to apparently resemble him. I mean, like, all the time. You could ask any one of my friends. You did. They got really used to it, right? So, Okay. I then eventually went down to L.A. and I would get cast in this Bob Marley biopic that they're going to make. And I was, like, pretty stoked about that. So then I'm, like, testing it out because I'm also, at the time, a television writer. So I go to a big conference in New Orleans and I end up being, basically, uh, I pretend to be Ziggy Marley. (laughs) Like this person assumes it wasn't. I didn't like tell anyone I was Ziggy Marley. You didn't this, bust in and no, be all. I, I didn't hey, have like everybody, a, it's me, Ziggy Marley. See, now you could have done it. Your I impression, just, spot on it. Well, that's me and celebrity impressions. I don't know how you do it. So I just go. I'm well, basically I'm walking around the in Bourbon Street. This dude comes up, and I'm with this really tall, like six five white guy who like is wearing like semi militaristic looking clothing. So it's like <laughs> he could be a bodyguard. So this guy runs up on me. He's like, "Yo, man, it's so good to see you in my town, man." I was like. Man, the drunks here are wild, right? And the guy's like, no, man, come on, man. Don't go anywhere. This is, I'm so proud. Let me show you around, man. This is stoked. I'm like, who does he think I am? You think I that, am? like, they treat everyone this yeah, way? Yeah, I'm like, like, this guy, the, the mayor of New Orleans is very <laughs> amenable. So he's just like, he keeps on being in my face about this. He's like, hey, man, you got to like, uh, oh, I got to take you over to this bar. I got to, oh, you got to meet so-and-so. He's just naming off people. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. I've, I've never met one armed Frank. So I, I can, I'm sure he's a delightful <laughs> fellow. We can go meet him. He's like, no, man, you got to do this. So I'm like, 
Eventually, I realize who he thinks I am when he says, I can't believe Ziggy Marley here. Are you guys, are you, are you guys performing? Like, you guys come you're on, on tour right now? I didn't even know you were in town. I was like, oh, man. Wow. So at this point, I haven't really spoken enough that he's heard me talk. Just so a bunch of grunts. I start using the Jamaican accent that I've been working oh, on for the Bob Marley movie that I'm, I'm like, oh, this is great practice. You just answered, yeah, mon, and everything. Oh, you have no idea. Like some I, jerk on vacation. I just basically became the biggest, like, oh, put some braids in my hair. I'm going to come back and tell everyone I was just in Jamaica. Jerk you're you've ever seen. Feeling hot, hot, hot. hot. Yeah, yeah, like a steel drum. It was amazing jerkery. So I <laughs> sat there and I allowed this dude to take me to bar, to bar, to bar, and introduce me to all these people, and I just pretended to be Ziggy Marley in New Orleans. And let me just tell you, it didn't end well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you don't want to tell. All right. You know I mean, what? if you, I, I can tell you, but like, you know, we, we, we can get back to Let's it. come don't back worry. to that. Okay. So you have pretended mm-hmm. to be someone else. You are certainly familiar with this imposter game. Oh, yeah. All right. Let me tell you about another imposter. He's an all-star, you could say. Uh, let me introduce you to Barry Bremen. Ooh, I like that name. Barry was born in 1947 in Detroit, got two sisters, Beryl and Bluma. The parents were just on one. I they, love this. They're like, how about we name a girl Beryl, we name a boy Barry, and we name the last one Bluma. They're totally, they have nothing to do with the story, but I just love the fact that his sister's names are Beryl and Bluma. Yeah. Aside from that. <laughs> so he grows up to be a really athletic guy, 6'4", 195. He gets married. He has three kids. Works as an insurance agent. Really athletic guy. Like, plays basketball, slow-pitch softball, racquetball, golf, a little touch football with all his pals. He's a jokester, too. Okay. You know, just a good old dude. And let me tell you about how Barry Bremen earned his nickname, The Great Imposter. Oh, yes. He's the great <laughs> imposter. <laughs> he... I'm going to just let that go. <laughs> so once upon a time, Barry Bremen went to a Detroit Pistons game, and they were playing the then Kansas City Kings. Oh, word. Game's wrapping up. He sneaks over to the Kansas City bench and steals a warm-up outfit from one of the bench warmers who'd already headed into the locker room. Okay. And he liked to wear the outfit when he played racquetball. Okay. You know, just showing out to his pals. So one day, while he's playing with uh, his buddies, playing a little racquetball, he makes a joke about good use for that warm-up uniform. What do you mean, good use? You'll find out. And they okay. make a bet. All they right. make a bet. How could you put this to good use? Now, I want you to close your eyes and picture this. My eyes are closed. It's February 1979. It's the NBA All-Star Game. It's at the Pontiac Silverdome, which was weird because it wasn't in a traditional basketball arena, but the Pistons were hosting, and that's where they were playing at the time. Anyway, it's an all-star game. Mm -hmm. It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's ninth one. Kareem! Yeah. He's out there in all his majesty, dominating and looking awesome and being super cool and also a genius. But I'm a little biased because he and I share a birthday, and he's also the greatest. That's dope. Anyway, this has nothing to do with Kareem. Should go. Barry shows up at the arena on game day. Hey, guys. (laughs) At halftime, he goes into the bathroom and he changes into that Kansas City Kings warm-up suit. Mm -hmm. And then he just walks down onto the court. Mm -hmm. Just easy to please. He admits to some of the guys who are actually warming up that he's there on a bet and he just needs to take a shot. Mm -hmm. So they let him play um, during halftime. He misses his first four shots. 
but then the whole thing was like cracking everybody up so they let him hang out until the third quarter started so he's <laughs> on there for like all of halftime no one else not officials press nothing no one notices him until he goes and he sits on the team bench mm-hmm. And then um, he becomes a bit of an instant celebrity when this happens. It gets picked up. Dick Shap? Do mm-hmm. you know who that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you said Dick Shap. I think you said Dick Slap. No. Dick Shap, <sighs> sports reporter on the Today Show on NBC, he called Barry Sportsman of the Week. Mm-hmm. And Barry goes on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show for wearing his warm-up suit. Wait a minute. He gets on Carson for Oh, this? yeah. No. He, this is just, he's just tickled the That's entire amazing. nation. He goes on the TV show Bowling for Dollars. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, Carson's one thing, but he got Bowling, on bowling for, for dollars? dollars? He gets the fame bug. I mean, he's been on Bowling for Dollars. <laughs> so we're going to fast forward a couple months to June of 1979. All right. And the U.S. Open Golf Tournament is being held in Toledo, Ohio. Word. Barry shows up, brings his clubs, acts like he knows. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's milling around. One of the pros drops out of a practice run the day before the tournament's about to start, and Barry takes his place. Okay. Slips on in there. We've secretly replaced Jerry Pate with <laughs> Barry Bremen. Let's see if they notice. And he's terrible. <laughs> he's a mess. After the round's over, he admits he's an imposter and everyone chuckles. Oh, okay. this is great. Yeah. So, but later that same month, he sneaks on stage at a Harry Chapin concert and sits at the piano. Okay. <laughs> this is guy's... He's starting to get good at it, essentially. Right? After the second song, Chapin notices Barry. Mm-hmm. So two the first two songs of the concert, he's just parked at the piano, like playing. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm like, I, I just sitting there, I guess. I don't know. And so he like somehow managed to explain himself really quickly, with I hand guess. Hand gestures. Hand gestures and then like notes passed with the roadies. Next thing you know, Harry Chapin has him singing a solo chorus of <laughs> All My Life's a Circle. All My Life's a Ridiculous Circle. I don't, I'm not familiar with that song, but I, I guess Barry either. knew it and just like hauled into the, into the chorus, let loose. Barry's on a roll. Completely. Um, so he has this newfound desire. He needs to impersonate fame adjacent people for attention. He's intoxicated by it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were out there duping bartenders in the French Quarter, oh, yes, <clears throat> making them think you were Ziggy Marley, mm-hmm. was there a high that you felt when you were getting away with it? <laughs> All right, I have to admit something. So there I am as an, as an actor trying to, you know, practice my Jamaican accent. And so I'm acting like his dad. They don't know that because they think I look like Ziggy. So they just hear Ziggy. And as I'm convincing the third set of bartenders, I did start to feel, okay, I have a criminal heart, as we all know. So I was like, I'm getting over on them. Oh, man, this is amazing. Hey, Ted, man, you want that's the guy I'm with. I'm like, order a bigger drink, you know? Like, let's let's do this up. And so then we go to another bar. The bartender's like me. This time I get up on the bar and I'm like, performing like oh so you were riding the high oh completely riding the high i I decided to like you know this is like i understand where barry's feeling he's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna shade i'm gonna get up on stage and i'm just gonna go for it because once you get that feeling of people are paying attention and if you don't feel the fear and you aren't like as you as you say if you're acting like you know and act like you belong there oh man you can go all sorts of places you don't know your ego will take you well and i think that once you realize it's you can get through that door yeah then once it's rolling, yeah, it's like snowball downhill. Well, that's what happens with Barry, right? So now we're July 1979. He's already worked his way on stage, field, court, everything. 
Um, he goes to Seattle, and mm-hmm. he's contacted his old pal Dick Shap uh, at the Today Show. <laughs> and the two of them concoct a plan to get Barry on the field at the MLB All-Star Game. Okay. So they're just up in the ante. Um, he actually, Shap, gets... Royals third baseman George Brett in on it, too. That is not easy. He's not known for his sense of humor. Right. So Barry gets fake press credentials. He arrives at the stadium. George Brett takes him into the locker room. Mm -hmm. Follow me. And there he presents... You got any pine tar? How about some stick (laughs) There he presents Barry with a custom-made Yankees uniform Mm -hmm. with his... Barry's lucky number 13. (laughs) Okay. Barry's geeked, right? He's meeting all the players. Um... Even Pete Rose and his snap-on hair helmet come over, and they're all, want to make a bet? And, like, they shake hands. He gets to meet Pete Rose. And Barry tells his teammates, like, hey, I'm an imposter, as if they don't know who's on their team. But, okay, Barry, they, they humor him. All right. Um, they, they'd figure that out. But they he gets to go out on the field and, um, you know, field some fly balls mm-hmm. during warm-up. He gets into the team photo. Nice. Right? He, uh, that's when an MLB official, though, realizes there's a faker out there. He's like, that that guy doesn't look right. So Mary, Mary, Barry makes a break for it and he goes to hide in the locker room. And he had to stay hidden in the sauna, which was off. So he wasn't, you know, just Gary Carter's in there, nursing his knees. (laughs) Exactly. He had to hide in the sauna. Why? Hmm. Gerald Ford, President Gerald Ford, was getting a tour of the locker room at the time. So, like, I didn't hear. <laughs> Gerald Ford's favorite tours. Show me the locker Show room. Show me the I locker just... room. He's like, oh, oh the, the aroma. Smells. He's oh. doing that thing where you, like, wave the air towards yeah. your you face. smell that liniment? Mm. That's fresh liniment. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he's like, I'm guessing you guys haven't done laundry recently. And they're like, oh, shucks. Yes, Gerald. It's a lot more innocent and less militarized times mm-hmm. if you've got someone like creeping around hiding behind the 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 laundry basket and ducking into the sauna oh, when yeah. the president's huh. walking through the locker room. Yeah, and we're like not too far out from like, you know, post assassination of Kennedy. You know, it's like they could still be like, We should be a little bit tighter on these presidents. Maybe they didn't really they're like it's Joe Ford. Ford. Anyway, so what's weird is that Reggie Jackson, who was playing for the Yankees at the time, forgot his uniform. Nice, like, Reggie. Really? Really, Reggie? <laughs> Forgot for real? his uniform? Like, why is it his for responsibility game. to bring his uniform? Well, maybe that's what he's thinking. Like, are you, hello, you, I'm Reggie Jackson. Yeah. You can't bring my uniform for me? Yeah. Well, the only thing I know where it is is my talent. That's right. That's all he needed. He borrows Barry's uniform. <laughs> puts Barry's uniform on. <laughs> Number 13. And then Barry's nude. So, <laughs> Which Barry doesn't mind. Barry was like, okay, he's weighing his options. Run out onto the field. No. They give him a Seattle uniform to wear. I figured Gerald Ford gave him his pants. He's wearing Gerald Ford's pants. And Gerald Ford is porky pigging it. Yeah, He's like, look, I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the box. People only see me from the waist up. It's like early Zoom. Yeah, no one looked fashion. at FDR's legs. Oh, oof. Um, so anyway, it's it's Barry wearing the Seattle uniform that tips off management that there's tomfoolery afoot. Mm. And so he gets escorted out of the stadium before the national anthem even begins. He's <laughs> cited for criminal trespassing and fined 50 bucks. Ooh. Totally worth it. Barry's supposed to go back on The Tonight Show to talk about his exploits, but the appearance was canceled because MLB threatened to sue if the tape was shown. What? That was just Barry warming up, though. <laughs> okay. He was craving the thrill had to take it to the next level. We need to take a break and listen to some ads. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about that next level, Barry Bremen. 
rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, so Zarin. Yeah, Elizabeth. When we left off, Barry Bremen had just crashed the MLB All-Star game, mm-hmm. traded uniforms around, whatever. He gets busted, has to pay $50. Oh, yes. He's the great imposter. Sure. Woo-woo. He's craving the attention and the thrill, much like you dancing on a French Quarter bar. Mm-hmm. He has to take it to that next level. He starts training. Oh. He starts learning routines. He loses 23 pounds Wow! so that he can fit into a custom-made outfit. Uh-huh. He shaved his legs. Oh, okay. See, this Barry, is commitment. he's getting ready for his biggest impersonation yet. Uh-huh. He's going to become a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> and in the 70s, that was like That was the, the pinnacle. Yeah. That was the pinnacle. You know, growing up, I was not supposed to have, like, I wasn't allowed to have Barbie dolls. hmm and it was just like, and you know, they just thought it was a toxic thing to give a little girl a Barbie doll. Second wave feminism. All you want is a Barbie doll when you're in that position. Mm-hmm. And I got a 
uh, one for Christmas from like a birthday party. It was like a birthday party or something. You know, you get these random gifts and um, from outside the household. And it was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader Barbie doll, like just over the top. Like, oh, you know, you're not allowed to have a Barbie. Well, I'm going to give you the most toxic Barbie there is. (laughs) (laughs) Like So that's what I always think when I see these things. Anyway, uh, he goes to the Dallas versus Washington game. Mm. And there are like over 62,000 people there. This is huge. Yeah. He's wearing fake breasts and a bra. Okay. Hot pants, pantyhose. Mm -hmm. Nothing goes together like hot pants and pantyhose. God. And a halter top. How? Right? (laughs) And a blonde wig. Of course. You know how I love a good wig detail. So, third quarter, he makes his move. Mm-hmm. He he gets out there and gets one cheer out. Go, Dallas! What do you mean gets or, out there? Like, is he, like, He gets on, out there with the cheerleaders like on, the, on field? the field. When they go out? Okay, yeah. yeah he goes, like, lumbering out. Yeah, he's not, like, standing six, on the sidelines. Yeah. The man is 6'4". Six, six, four. Four. Uh-huh. And he was, what, 195? Mm-hmm. And he drops, like, 23 Jeez. pounds. So, he's, he's like... a real thin 6'4 man. And, uh, and, and fake... Fake breasts. Bosoms. Yeah. Uh-huh. And extra long pantyhose mm-hmm. and he's like go Dallas <laughs> with all these ladies out there and then security nabs him now Barry said that part of the prank was a social statement he said he picked the Cowboys cheerleaders because they were the most famous of all as you said like that Check. was it mm-hmm. and that the Cowboys were uptight and he wanted to main and they they want to maintain a conservative image and he thought they'd make a good target like skewer them for them. oh yeah I'm sure Tom Landry hated this well and Barry's wife, so proud of him. She was just like, she was proud of him and all the hard work that he put into it, especially. She just like thought that was incredible. The Cowboys? Okay. How do you think they took it? Oh, um, I'm going to go with Furious. Yeah, they were livid. Uh, they sued Barry for $10,000. That's like a lot of money in 70s. Of, yeah. They threatened to have him, his immediate family, his relatives... And all his heirs, this is like some North Korean stuff here. All his heirs banned from Texas Stadium and any game where Dallas would be playing, quote, forever and ever. See, you say this is North Korea stuff, and I know this is as Texas as it gets. <laughs> Your heirs are banned from Texas Stadium forever and ever. They have He has poisoned his own bloodline. That he's not allowed. No, like, imagine you're, like, Barry's, like, great, great, yeah. great grandson. You want to go to the game this weekend? I can't. Can't go. Grandpa Barry. Grandpa went out in some hot pants and, and ruined it for the rest of us. the whole family of Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Pay attention to us at birth. They mark us. <laughs> you get, like, you a, see the skin tag? You get a DNA test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's, they get branded by Jerry Jones personally. That explains why you have to get a DNA test to get into a Dallas game. Um, <laughs> Barry brushes it off. He's like, you know what? It was great. But I, I'm done. I'm turning in the whole impression thing. I'm over it. So he's peaked? I guess. He said, you know, it was really tough to dress like a woman. And he said it was weight. hard to shave his legs. I'd like to see him try making 82 cents for every dollar a man earns. <laughs> and then we'll talk difficult, but whatever, Barry. They settled the suit out of court, though. And he was only banned from going to a Dallas game if he dressed like a cheerleader. Well, that's really no ban so at all. they didn't carry out the whole... <laughs> Through your your lineage. So Barry may have said that impersonating was out of his system, but that just wasn't so. It's never out of your system. No, no. I mean, I may may impersonate someone tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. In the Marley family. (laughs) Is he he Marley? (laughs) Is he? Uh, So 
Barry pops up at an NFL Pro Bowl dressed as former Detroit Lion Lem Barney. <laughs> okay. Interesting choice. He shows up as a fake ref at an NHL All-Star game. On ice skates, I hope. Yeah, on ice skates, wanted to do a loop. <laughs> uh, he snuck into the Oscars, hoping to accept award on behalf of someone who didn't show up, but he chickened out and never left his seat. Oh. He posed as a pro at the U.S. Open Golf Tournament again. He dressed up as an umpire. Wait, he's repeating himself now. Yeah. This is going downhill, Bear. It's not original. He's not keeping close notes. He dressed up as an umpire at Game 1 of the 1980 World Series. Go Phillies. And that was, yeah, Phillies, Kansas City Royals. He went to the 1981 Super Bowl and pretended to be a referee. <laughs> Three of the other officials thought his act was pretty cute. One did not call the cops on him. From the field? Yeah. <laughs> they just waved oh, him over. Oh, he's down there. <laughs> he's down there, and they're like, oh, you're so silly, Barry. And then one goes, you know what? I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of you besmirching the importance of what we do. Take these stripes seriously, pal. They kick Barry out of the Super Bowl, but then he comes back in using a ticket and watches the game. <laughs> Capitalism. Right. Gonna... So, what if I pay? Oh, of course. Come he on. He goes to another NBA All Star game, and this time he's wearing a Houston Rockets uniform. Shoots some layups during practice warm up time. <laughs> he crashed Game One of the NBA Finals dressed as a ref. Okay. Made it through the national anthem that time before he got the boot. Because normally in those situations, he, he just, doesn't even get to hear the first bars of it. Yeah. He went to the 1982 Super Bowl in Detroit. Oh, wait, so 82, the year 82? Yeah. So that would have been the year, your Niners. Niners and yes, the Bengals. Yes, it actually was. The Ken yeah. Anderson Bengals yeah. and the Joe Montana Niners. And he said it was his biggest stunt yet. Security was on the lookout for him. Heavy security. Mm. And um, Barry arrives via a police escort. <laughs> now he's got the police working for him. They I got like the this. blues and twos running. He's in a limo. So okay. he's got them getting him through all the traffic. Inside the limo is Barry. Mm-hmm. What costume do you think he's wearing this time? He's going um, to the Super Bowl. Groucho Marx? He's dressed as a San Diego chicken. <laughs> so he's wearing formal wear. <laughs> he's upped his game. That's what I wore to now, my uh, senior he, high prom. He sells this as like, this is my biggest stunt ever. Wait, you dressed as a San Diego chicken for your prom? I knew that'd catch you. Yeah. No, I didn't. Go on. <laughs> You're supposed to just say, oh, totally. <laughs> just pretend. Act, act like you know. Act like you've been here before. Come on, Burnett. <laughs> So he's dressed as a San Diego chicken. He says, this is my biggest stunt. This is <laughs> he it. He just announces it. And yeah. And so <laughs> like on some, you know, he's sending out flyers and that kind of thing. So, which he wasn't. Um, he gets three off-duty Detroit cops to pretend to be his security guards in this. Who hasn't done that? I'm right. telling you, boy. They get him into the stadium and he's just about to get onto the field and local police stop him, and they ask him to take off the chicken head. So he wasn't really paying the best of Detroit's well, off-duty cops. If because that's like the, the thing very is, first time they're confronted, they're like, yeah, that's him. The thing is, there are like other people who were barred from entering, not just Barry at this particular Oh, the San Diego ball. chicken had also been barred? No. <laughs> they're like, chicken over here. <laughs> no, they had um, the kissing bandit mm-hmm. was this woman. Morgana. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was running around and um, was... In fact, I think at that, or maybe that was at another one. Anyway, they had to look out for her. Mm-hmm. They had to look out for, the, like, the John 316, John 316 guy. John 316 guy, yeah, yeah. Right. So they but have also, all these. streaking was still a thing at that point. Yeah. So you had people who'd be, like, running naked across the yeah. field. So they have. Anyone who shows up without clothes. They have all these mug shots, these head shots mm-hmm. of, like, look out for these people. So they say to Barry, take off the chicken head. Chicken head. <laughs> take off the and chicken head. And he reveals himself. And they're like, Barry Bremen, what are we going to do with you? And um, he's busted. He puts the chicken head back on, and then he 
pecks the cop on the top of the head <laughs> with the San Diego chicken head so on. So kind of like how the San Diego chicken did to Tommy Lasorda. Yes. So he gets busted. He gets kicked out. They don't charge him. Mm-hmm. He went home and he watched the game on TV. Well, That's what you do. So is he sitting there in the uniform, like the chicken outfit? He's sitting there with he's the chicken head there off. With he's a like beer, a head next to him. The he's head just, next to a beer. His wife is rubbing his shoulders. Shoulders like, oh, hey, baby, I'm so proud of you. You did a good job. Bok, bok. So I want to go back, though, really mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. to you as Ziggy Marley, because I'm uh, now obsessed yes. with this. <laughs> okay. So Barry gets booted out. Uh-huh. Did you get caught? So you said oh, it, it. Oh, yeah, it didn't end well. Yeah, yeah it didn't end well. What so happened? So after I was dancing on the bar and like, you know, drinking all the hurricanes I could fit in my body, I was really drunk. And uh, and I, I started, because meanwhile, we're there for a conference. Like I'm supposed to be, I'm a TV writer. I have stuff to do the next morning. I got to get up and meet with like our Korean parent company like the president of the parent company's come over and i gotta like have breakfast with him so i gotta be sharp right i got suit on the whole thing i'm just like three in the morning and i am blitzed just drunk off my anyway and this you know i turned to my friend ted and i'm like yeah man we got to go back to the hotel i think i got the the hotel key and i pull it out and i'm like yeah i got it and i'm now not speaking in a jamaican accent <laughs> at all i'm speaking in a very specific accent that is not ziggy marley to anyone and no one would be like is that Ziggy Marley with a head cold? Nope. Nobody was like, that would be Ziggy Marley. Dude, who has been taking me very generously from bar to bar to bar, the mayor of the uh, French Quarter, if you will, he looks at me with these wild bloodshot eyes, half cocked, head sideways. And I can feel all of, he like sucks all of the air out of the room into his nostrils and then looks at me and then exhales it like an angry bull. And I was like, oh man, I am so screwed. He then snatches the key out of my hand it says, say that again. And I was like, oh, say, say what? He's <laughs> like, I knew it. You ain't Ziggy Marley mother. And I was like, he didn't just say mother. He ended up with a lot more syllables uh-huh. and then continued to insult my family and what my mother used to do in the bedsheets. And anybody else in my family, he could cast an aspersion at. So my father, my grandmother, my uncle, my sister, my, anybody. He and went down through the, he's the like whole Dallas generation. Cowboys style. Pretty much. Yeah. And then he makes me and Ted go back to every single bar and apologize to the bartenders who served us. And the looks that some of these bartenders had was so delighted. Like, man, I knew you weren't Ziggy Marley. (laughs) And some of them were like, what? She actually surprised and just like disappointed. Like, I can't believe you would lie to me like that. And they're cleaning a glass, just looking at me. And I'm having to apologize because he will not give me back the hotel key. And I cannot get back into the hotel. And there's no way I can because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah, my uh, boss is, uh, he rented the room. I'm drunk. Just, yeah, come on, man. Let me in there. It's not going to play. I need this hotel key back. So I've got to go to all of these bars. And every single time I had to go talk to every single person who I lied to. This guy insisted. It was one of the worst experiences <laughs> of my life. Because seeing all these like chat, like these faces just fall. And these other people delighted that they were right and that I am not Ziggy Marley. And I never wanted to be Ziggy Marley. <laughs> but suddenly by not being Ziggy Marley, my life is hell. Now, did anyone take pictures with you? Uh, yeah, you, I'm sure you could find photos of this event. If you live in New Orleans, you know somebody who worked at the, uh, you know, in the French Quarter in the big tourist bars, and this would have been about uh, probably 10 years ago. So Yeah, okay. So if anyone has these photos, please yeah. produce them. Pull them out. I love that you were marched around like a kid who 
stole a candy bar from the supermarket oh, and had to go give it back completely. and apologize. Oh, yes. Was it, did that sober you right up? It was beyond sobering. <laughs> it was humiliating because I had to be confronted with the fact that I basically ruined all these people's sense of trust in, in like the idea that something magical could happen to them just for a couple drinks. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to take your trust and use it against you. I'll take another hurricane. <laughs> it was terrible. I had to be confronted with what a terrible person I am. How, for, how many, how much money and free drinks do you think you landed? Oh, hundreds, because it was me and my boy who's like really big. And so he was throwing down drinks because he wasn't having to talk to everybody the whole time. So he was just drinking, drinking, drinking the whole time. Yeah. So I'm sure we drank hundreds of dollars of drinks. They're also giving us the most expensive stuff they had. Right. Like, oh, you got to drink this Macallan. Oh, you got to make whatever they could that was impressive. So you're, you're mixing hurricanes and yes. Macallan. Oh, completely. It was horrible. Uh, and then, yeah, it was, I'm a bad person. Final question about this. Yes, Elizabeth, uh, back row. Yes. Were you wearing a puka shell necklace? Oh, I have to admit, I had left that at home just because I didn't want to look so hot. That was the problem. If you'd had that on, they would have been like, eh. Yeah, Maybe I... the choker puka shell is just too tight <laughs> and it's affecting his vocal cords. Oh man, oh, man. It was terrible. And also, by the way, my friend Ted, who was with me, was furious because he can't now go back and, do, and he's drunk. He wants to go to sleep. So he also has to go there and apologize for something he didn't really do. He's like, I'm so, sorry, I'm not a, I'm he, so not a bodyguard. he's mad at me too, so I know as soon as we're done with this, he's going to read me the riot act as soon as I'm done. So I just had one more to go. So I shouldn't suggest that Ziggy Marley is a good Halloween costume for you. I think it'd be fantastic. Well, all right, this next year, there it is. Now, or an, an alternate one, San Diego Chicken, bringing it back to Barry. I actually have the head, so. Perfect. So Barry, Barry says San Diego Chicken. It's no Ziggy Marley, mm -hmm. but it's big. He said that that was his biggest stunt yet, kind of, you know, fell flat. <laughs> um, and so then he's like, okay, you know what? I got to go bigger. Now, we're going to take a break. All right. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what's bigger than The San hip, Diego chicken? Hop, hip, yep. hop, San Diego chicken, Ziggy Marley. <laughs> From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Okay, Zarin. Elizabeth. Barry Bremen. Oh, my dude. San Diego Chicken. My man. Ziggy Marley. Oh, what? Was that painful? Was you really, like, I was trigger. like, one. Yeah, no. Trigger warning, Ziggy Marley. Um, oh, you keep doing it to me. Barry Bremen mm-hmm. dresses as a San Diego chicken, thinks yep. it's going to be a big prank. I think it's kind of his dumbest one. It, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's it's two seventies. It's yeah. like it's very specific to that moment. It wasn't. It didn't have the grandeur some of his other stuff that two, were more timeless. It's two seventies because it was nineteen eighty one. So that's what I mean. It's yeah. two seventies. He's There's trying to keep dinner. that energy going, and it's like, bro, come on. Reagan's he takes been elected. a step away from sports for a bit mm-hmm. in terms of impersonation, and he decides to go to a Detroit conference of FBI and Secret Service agents. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's been so loose. Security is so loose so yeah. far, like, like, up the ante. Let me go do some gonzo journalism. He goes and he poses as Alan Wilson, deputy chief of the Los Angeles Police Department. <laughs> what the F-A? Okay, go on. <laughs> I mean, like. And he puts on a polyester suit mm-hmm. and he gives a talk. What do you mean? What do you mean he gives a talk? He le- has a presentation on legalization of prostitution. <laughs> He's playing it totally straight. He gets up there and he says, you know something? Police and prostitution are synonymous. Whoa, whoa, Barry. That is quite the knock to prostitution. (laughs) The crowd totally lost. They lost it. Of course they did. They were out of control. They were so angry. And he's just going on and on, like, doing this whole riff about, you know. I love it. But you can't talk about sex workers like that. I mean, that's really an unfair comparison. Cops? I mean, come on now. But then they start mellowing out. Because he pops in a videotape called The Exploits of Barry Bremen. Oh, does it have like a soundtrack, like a bass line? Yeah, it's like this like funky music. And it's probably like a montage with like the spinning pictures that then stop (laughs) of him like on Johnny Carson. He basically lets them know like I did it. Yeah, he's it's it's surprise where I would be in there. I would be like the FBI analyst who's Mm. there and thinking, are you kidding me? Is this another one of those team building garbage things where they got, oh, we brought in Barry Bremen and he's like, oh, Is he going to kill one of us and we have to decide who did it? <laughs> they have to like analyze the blood splatter on it. No, he, uh, he, he puts in this videotape and everyone thinks it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're loving it. There's the the pictures and the, he's explaining, I'm Barry Bremen. Oh, that's great. Oh, I saw him on Carson. Okay, yeah. I get you. And so... That's big. That's mm-hmm. big going in front of the feds. Yeah. No, it's, it's and, actually a felony for some people. But it's not as big a stunt. Wait, he actually goes bigger. He goes bigger. Let me hear it. The year is 1985. 80 Senator. <laughs> and he calls up ABC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I'd like to talk to He's ABC. He's like, beep, boop, 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 boop. Hello, uh, ABC. Oh, I'm sorry. This is NBC. You never yeah. mind. I'll call back. Well, ABC is the, their, you know, he calls up ABC. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, ABC. I'm a small town reporter from Michigan. I'm on vacation in LA. And they're like, why are you telling us this? <laughs> He's like, listen, I want to cover something that's going to be on your network for my local paper. And they don't give him a press pass. 
They're like, we'll sell you a ticket. So we'll they sell, sell him a, a ticket, ticket for $300. Uh, I'm so confused. Barry puts, you know, a lot of us are confused about Barry. But okay. hold on. Uh-huh. Barry puts on a tuxedo with a pink tie and a cummerbund. Mm-hmm. And he walks into the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. Mm-hmm. He's at the 1985 Primetime Emmy Awards. <laughs> so they they charge him. They charge him. <laughs> He's like, look, I'm just a small town boy. Yeah. I want to write about the, your awards. Trying to see the big city lights. I love the television. I, want I love the stars. I love I my stories. And I want to see who's the best in those stories. And like, cool, so, $300. Right. Instead of saying, oh, that's the sweetest thing. Let me get you a press pass. They're like, 300 bucks. That's a lot of money in 85. I think they probably uh, upsold them. Like they were like, so. they, that was like well, a $60 face ticket. Yeah. Well, no, you'll see. It's a $300 ticket. Oh, is it? Oh. So this is the year, 85. That's the year that Cagney and Lacey beat out Miami Vice to win Outstanding Drama Series. I, I remember it like yesterday. It was a real I mean, upset. The, the critics were just beside themselves. They're like, Cagney and Lacey beating Miami Vice. How? Crockett and Tubb. Who knew? Tyne Daly mm-hmm. dominating. Um, Your now, fave, personal fave. Yeah. You know what? Fun fact. I've seen Tyne Daly in person. You've seen Tyne Daly in person? Mm-hmm. Is she as Tyne Daly as one would imagine? Oh, yeah. She just radiates Tyne Daly-ness. I didn't speak with her. She didn't look at me, but I saw her in person. Was her brother Tim Daly there? It was a spotting. A spotting? <laughs> I, a Tyne Daly spotting You in saw the her, wild. but she did not see you? No. I was hiding. <laughs> You're so overcome by the radiance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me read you some of the winners of the 1985. Oh, my God, please do. This would be great. Robert Guillaume for Benson. Yes. Jane Curtin for Kate Nelly. Okay. <laughs> Rhea Perlman for Cheers. Yes. Edward James almost for Miami Vice. Playing a drug dealer. I was with some friends once, and they thought that they saw had a celebrity sighting. They thought they saw Edward James almost, mm-hmm. and it was very much not. Who was it? And I told him it was Edward James almost. <laughs> and then I stopped getting invited places. But it was not him. Let's How, just power nerd, you there. say, huh? Yeah, well, maybe it was, maybe I was by myself and I saw him and I made that joke to <laughs> you myself. You told yourself and then you stopped taking your own answers? <laughs> I have no friends. So mm. we have this, like, all these people. You've got celebrities on the red carpet. You got Sybil Shepherd. Oh, he's just a wash in celebrities. You have, uh, what's her name? Joan Collins. Oh, Joan. I mean, like the sharpest shoulder pads out. She's slicing <laughs> people's necks open as she's walking around with all the sequins. Looking and... like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the sequins. <laughs> totally, totally. And then there's Barry. Mm, Pink Barry. tie. Pink tie, nice look. He gets in. Very 85. Oh, completely. He gets in. It's probably that like baby powder pink. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, he sees his ticket is an aisle seat in the third row. Wow. They sold him a $300 ticket. Okay, I, I feel you. And he sees it as a sign that all systems are go. This is meant to be. Oh, he's getting up on the stage. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. So while he's there, like, getting to his seat, he runs into Robert Stack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chats him up. Hey, Bob. Hey, you got any mysteries to solve and around here, pal? So he's chatting up Robert Stack. Ah, says yes. to him, you know what? I'm here to accept an Emmy tonight. <laughs> Robert Stack acts like they know each other, but <laughs> and is just trying to be polite. Barry is like, you have no idea who I am. Doesn't say it, but that's like a Hollywood thing, isn't it's very it? Like Hollywood. you just kind of they act like you assume anybody who it talks to you like they know you. You're like, oh, we must know each other, and I'm not gonna like let on because they may hire me sometimes. So yeah. let's just pretend. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Robert Stack is acting like he knew yeah. at that point. It's the way. I'm telling you, everybody in Hollywood knows what you know, which you, is act like act you know. Act like you know. So he's, he's sitting down there. There's Robert Stack. He's like, keeps trying to like, you know, chat him up. After a while, he's like, no, I can't hear you. Sorry. The show's starting. Um, Billy Crystal comes by mm-hmm. and does recognize Barry. Wow. Billy well, Crystal. So he's a big uh, He's a Carson big sports watcher? guy. Oh, sports. He's a total sports guy. Course, and he's a goofball. And so he's, you know, he's up on all this. He recognizes him, but he doesn't give him up. Hmm. He's like, mm. he wants to see where it plays out. Like, the, he totally did the like finger on the side of the nose, yeah, like, like a, not eyebrow sting. wiggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's probably backstage working on his like impression of an old black person. I would do face. See face. What you want? Don't you remember that when he was like, I do. Okay. I was it's not just me. I had put it out of my memory and you just brought it right back. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. So then there's Barry, third row, mm-hmm. right? The presentation is made for outstanding supporting actress in a drama series. The okay. winner is announced. It's Betty Thomas for her role as Sergeant Lucille Bates on Hill Street Blues. Great show, great actress. Yeah. Hooray! I guess Betty's seat wasn't as good as Barry's. She didn't have a $300 <laughs> ticket because she didn't, like, pop up right away. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Barry popped up right away. Barry's like, I, I got this one. Barry jumps up. You say Barry or Betty? I, I, I'll go up. <laughs> it's like, I didn't hear. Well, no, Barry jumps up. He gets on stage graciously accepts the award on <laughs> Betty's behalf. I'm I'm so happy to accept this. Um, Betty couldn't be here tonight. He goes through with this. Oh my God. This... And while he's saying that, she's making her way to the stage. <laughs> he thanks, he goes, I want to thank everyone, especially Dick Shap, <laughs> right as Betty's walking on the stage. <laughs> So oh, he, he crashes it. He becomes the first person to ever prank the Emmys. Good on that him. Was, he was a groundbreaker. They need to, like, include that in, you know, what what's the, is it Paley Institute? Is that one that does yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. They need to have a, have a whole display. Backstage, he apologizes to Betty Thomas. He says, Betty, I'm sorry. I'm the imposter. <laughs> you should have known. He's like, like he's I'm, the Riddler. I'm a designer imposter. There's the Joker, the Riddler. I'm the, the imposter. imposter. The producer of the show is totally flipping out. And he says he wants to jump on him physically. On Barry? Yeah. He's like, I was going to jump on him. And he's just mad. Um, Barry pulls out a bunch of press clippings that I guess he carries with him everywhere he goes. (laughs) Can I show you my clippings? He was like, can someone wheel out an AV cart with a TV and a VCR? Because I have this, the exploits of Barry Brumman cassette. Just queued up. No, he pulls out all these press clippings to explain who he is. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, so here's me at an MLB All-Star game. Here's me as the chicken. Um, he has this pathological need to impersonate people and appear publicly. He can't help himself. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a good laugh. Yeah, but except not, for Betty Thomas. But not really because Barry got arrested for mm. this one. He was charged with attempted grand theft and held on $1,500 bail. Of what, the Emmy statue? Yeah, the statuette. Because he's like, thank you, I'll take this on her behalf. And just, you know... Possession, whatever. Nine tenths of law. No. So he spends about an hour in jail. Okay. And he, but he did learn that Hollywood takes awards very seriously. Oh yeah, they'll kneecap you. You think that that brush with jail would be enough for Barry? But nope. New who? New. Not our Barry. He later goes on to crash the 1985 MLB All Star Game dressed in a New York Mets uniform. Oh my God, I would love to see him next to Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, just oh, like well, they're yeah. all railed out. They're well, like, who is this boy? <laughs> he runs. They think they're like. It, it hallucinating. He runs into the outfield during batting practice and fields some balls. 
None other than Tommy Lasorda, yes! former San Diego chicken victim, spots him and has him arrested. It's like, that guy, Lasorda. get him. He was probably just hangry. He was yeah. Like, yeah. But see, the All-Star game was in Houston. Mm-hmm. So Barry gets taken to a Houston jail with some really unsavory characters. He said that the guy in the cell with him looked like Charles Manson. And so he pleads guilty to criminal trespassing with a $500 fine and six months probation. And he tells the judge, look, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to do this anymore. And he goes on. He lives a really low-key life after that. Oh, he really did learn his lesson. Yeah, he learned his lesson. Um, He passed away in 2011. Okay. His wife had the best, like, summary of his life. Um, He was devilish and possessed a lot of fun-loving chutzpah and likes to do these little things as a kibitz. So she sounds fun. She's amazing. And so she's just like, she supports him through all of this. And I think, though, that maybe like the arrest in Texas was kind of the last straw for everybody. Barry, yeah. you know, tone it down. He's like this great, silly family man, fun guy. He made a ton of friends along the way. His accomplices over the years included baseball players George Brett, Tommy John, Goose Gossage, Ozzy Smith. Oh, yes, Wizard of Oz. Uh, his football player buddies, Dave Jennings and Brad Van Pelt. Okay, some backups. But yeah. I have no idea who they are. And then legendary golfer, the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas. Golden Bear by his own some. Yeah, so he, he makes all these friends doing his little ridiculous crimes. His kids carried on uh, his legacy as well. Did they do impressions of or poses people? Well, like you, Zarin, they pulled off an imposter con in New Orleans. Oh. (laughs) In 2002, they snuck into a Super Bowl party that was thrown by Playboy. It's a couple. There's a lot of of intersections Some of my past is bubbling up. And, well, your past is a Playboy model. Yes, exactly. Let's just talk it out. Um, So they they get in. How'd they get in? His daughter, Erin, said she was Gwyneth Paltrow. She's like, look, here, here's a candle. Smell this. She's like, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. Um, his Her brother, Noah, mm-hmm. he also liked getting one over on Playboy, apparently. Uh, he frequently snuck into the Playboy estate parties. <laughs> and um, he also, he made his way into the 2001 Grammys by just wearing a tux and talking on a cell phone as he walked in. And no one stopped him. I swear to God. My friend Dave and I did exactly that. Yeah. See? Easy as pie. There you go. And so just like his dad, Noah, just acted like he knew. Walked in. Acted like he knew. It works every time because yeah. most people, they do not question. So what's your ridiculous takeaway here? Um, If I'm going to ever get on the field as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, I really need to start working on my outfit now. You do. The training starts now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's just no way I'm going to be able to get all the way out in the field unless, you know, I can just get this stuff tight and I can get some leggings and some... Good tuck game. Good. Oh, my God. I really have to work on the tuck game. Yeah. We got this. Now, that's it for us today. We've, we've rung this one dry. You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You ever heard of that? Instagram? The gram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do it for the gram. You got a tip for us about ridiculous crime that you want to hear about or do you want to confess to one? Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Space age. I want you to tune in next time, my pals. We'll be back next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. That's me. 
Produced and edited by Dave All Access Kustin. Research is by Gate Security Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Thomas, come on, it's for a bet, Lee, and suspicious umpire Travis Dutton. Executive producers are uniform regulator Ben Bolin and cheer director Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.